Attention. Attention in detail. Listen up and lead well. You're a VIP, giving you what you need to succeed. Be best you be in your own company. Attention detail one by one, step by step to get the job done. Pops are gonna break it down to you. I ask the questions, get the show started further. Attention detail. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Attention to Detail with Attention. Eric Bird. Moving your brand forward as artists, leaders, and influencers. I'm your host, Jason Bird. Attention. This show is sponsored by VIP Consulting, Leadership Done Well. VIP trains leaders in the skills they'll need to take their organization to the next level. Vision casting, conflict resolution, staff and volunteer management, and more. VIP Consulting helps clients create an action plan and works alongside you to execute it. Experience what faith-based institutions, individuals, and organizations have come to learn. VIP Consulting gives you the VIP treatment. Go to ericbird.com for more information. So here's part two. Again, this was my um, keynote address. (laughs) Not really, but this was my address at the CFX Conference 2020 on diversity training for white churches. This is part two. Yeah, so there was a there was an incident that happened uh, in baseball not too long ago. I think that I'm going to get the details wrong, but the Padres were playing some somebody, and they were up by a big score. And I think the bases were loaded, and I think it was Fernando Tatis was up at the plate, and he was they, it was a three zero count. Pitch came to him. Usually, people batters don't swing on three and zero because if it's a ball, you go to first base and a run comes in. But he decided to swing. He hit a grand slam, and so that made the score even worse for the other team. And so there was all this conversation after the game that he broke this unwritten rule in baseball because you're not supposed to swing on a three zero count, especially when you're up by five runs already. And now he hit a grand slam, and now they're up by nine runs or eleven runs or something. And he was this super bad person because he swung a three. And Fernando Tatis and his manager, the Padres, their position was, you know how. How you figure out you know how you you win the game like his job is to win the game so if you're going to throw a pitch and if i think i can hit it i'm swinging the bat doc like that's what i do i'm swinging the bat so if you don't want me to hit a grand slam then throw a pit throw a better pitch get me out strike me out then you have to worry about what the unwritten rules are I put that baseball graphic up there to ask the question what guardrails have you created in your church or in your worship experience, so that people don't learn to worship consciously or subconsciously your, quote, your way. What are the unwritten rules or expectations for worship have you consciously or subconsciously contributed to? Um, I was at a church and I was talking to the senior pastor. Senior pastor was laughing. I said, what's so funny? Senior pastor said, yeah, I just had to defend your praise team. I said, from what? What did we do? Well, somebody in somebody came to me and said, you know, they sound okay. Not good, by the way. They just sound okay. But I just don't think that they're really Christians. And the pastor, actually, we were talking to the pastor's wife. And he said, well, why? Why do you think they're not real Christians? Well, because I've never seen anybody on that team in a Sunday school class. So they've decided that the way to salvation 
is but through them. <laughs> so they are the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, woman, child comes to the Father except through Sunday school class. Now, I mentioned that because is there a way that you have done this culturally? Have you created a unfriendly diversity, even subconsciously, without doing it on purpose? But have you done this in your worship experiences in a way where that someone from another culture can come and they'll feel like, wow, aren't they going to throw me out of this church? Okay, I'm black. I Let me just say that. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, okay, yes, it's telling me that I'm supposed to be doing something. I'm supposed to do my talk on diversity. Yes, thank you, Mr. Calendar. Um, yeah, I'm black. I'm not African. There's a difference between black and African. I'm assuming you know that. Um, I consider myself, and I refer to myself as African-American because I consider myself to be a hybrid of not only of where we've come from, our glorious past, but also where we are today. And quiet as it's kept, I have way more in common with the American culture than I do with, the, with my African ancestry. I say all of that to say that I was at a very large uh, African-American church doing music there for almost nine years. And I will tell you that Africans praise completely different than we do. I mean, the African-American church, we sort of get there. Africans, they go all the way in, girl. Like they, they, don't, they don't play. And so if you have a church experience where an African, of course, this is general speaking, but an African comes in and they start speaking in tongues or they start running around the church or they start like waving a flag. That's completely normal in their cultural context. If they do that at your church, are you going to put them out? Are you going to tell them they're not really Christian because they don't do worship the way you do it? Are you going to have somebody go talk to them and tell them they have to calm down? Anybody uh, still have access to a hymnal? Anybody read the inside page of suggestions for how to sing the hymnal? Don't sing too loud. Don't sing too animated. Don't be too excited. Well, that's not black gospel music, doctor. Let me just let you know. You do gospel music and you tell people not to sing too loud. You just told them you don't want black gospel music. I was at another church. And another church, uh, predominantly white church, they got a guest speaker to come in to talk to them about if they want to do a church plant in a black section of town. Because it was the heart of the senior pastor to say, look, we're largely predominantly white, but my heart is to have a satellite church, a campus church somewhere in a black neighborhood so that we can be our church here, but we can also serve the needs of a church over there because the diverse community probably is not going to come 20 minutes down the road to our church. Maybe we need to bring the church to them. And this consultant came in and he preached and he said, yeah, so you need to create a worship spirit, worship experience that looks like, feels like, sounds like, is like the community you wish to serve. Now, again, I just want you to sit in that for a moment, because if you're a white church and you have a white church experience in location A and you want to build a church experience in location B, 
if that church experiences exactly what you do in location A, you're just doing it in location A and B, you're going to get what you throw the bait out to get. You're going to get the same, you're very well may get the same church experience that you had in location A, which may not be serving the people that you're trying to serve. Does that make any sense? So if you're trying to catch a different kind of fish, you got to fish with a different kind of bait. So if you're going to be in a black neighborhood and a black neighborhood may respond to black gospel music and extemporaneous kind of praise and more exuberant kind of, you know, black, black, typical black gospel kind of church experience. That's the kind of worship experience you need to be building, not the church experience you have. Um, I had another experience where I was doing a training on how to teach people how to play black gospel music. I'm a musician and I'm a piano player. Uh, and I play jazz and gospel. So a lot of my music, I play gospel music. And so I was talking to somebody and I was doing a talk on how to teach, how to learn how to play black gospel music from a piano perspective. I did this whole thing for like 90 minutes. At the end, I asked for questions. First question was this white woman saying, oh, well, you were just born to do it, right? And I got to tell you, that really made me mad. I had to really, I had to ask the Holy Ghost for some intervention because I'm like, I just got done telling you that I'm trained. I took piano. I was blessed enough to have parents to pay me for piano lessons. I took classical music lessons. I took lessons on how to play jazz. I took lessons on how to play gospel music. I've studied it. I've worked on it. I've spent 10,000 hours in my piano room working on it. I've looked at YouTube videos. I've talked to people better than me. I've done all this work and you've distilled it down to, oh, because I'm black, I was born with it, which is by the way, code for, you don't have to work on it. Don't create obstacles that make it difficult for people to find a home at your church. All right. I think I've, I think I've gotten there. I think I've gotten there. Do time have Okay. So moving on, moving on. Now there's a huge difference between being open and being intentional. Okay, and now oftentimes we do American church as like this private country club kind of mentality. So over here to the left where you see the circle, um, you'll see that we're open, we're available, we're probably smiling and happy and we want people to come. But notice how there isn't a circle for people to come in. There's no waypoint. There's no point of entrance to get into and break that circle. Um, there's no clear pathway of entry. And one of the reasons why we haven't created a clear path of entry might be because our church language. I know y'all ain't going to talk to me, but how many of y'all got a narthex and not a lobby? I went to a church that had a narthex. I, my first couple of weeks there, I kept hearing about, yeah, there's going to be people to sign you up in the narthex. I'm like, what is the narthex? Like, that sounds like that sounds like you have some kind of disease that you don't want to have no more. Like you need a like you need a vaccine for that. Is that part of this pa the pandemic? Like a narthex? It's like, no, that's the lobby. I'm like, OK, well, why don't we call it the lobby? How many how many visitors go walk in off the street and know what the narthex is? So have you done that with your language? 
Have you done that with your style of worship? Have you done that with your monoculture kind of stylistic kind of thing? You know, that we talked about in the last slide. We want our church diversity to be this image, this half circle. Notice how everybody's blue. Red person comes in, but there's an open way for them to enter your worship experience. This is the entryway that they go, oh, okay. So I, they've intentionally allowed a way for me to be a part of their worship experience. So we want to be intentional, right? We don't want to just be open. We want to be intentional. So here's the differences. Eh, well, okay, I'll, I'll go here and then I'll jump back. Here's the differences to me from being open to being intentional. I kept wrestling with whether I wanted that next. I think I did want that next. So um, open is come on in. Intentional is a special invitation. That's a difference. Open is, now nah, I don't necessarily want to grow. I'm pretty comfortable thinking and behaving the way that I am right now pretty comfortable with that world is going crazy the world is you know insane out there i kind of want to just go to a place where i'm comfortable where i know what i know and i know like how stuff works intentional is no every once in a while now maybe not every week maybe not every sermon maybe not every opportunity but intentional is we're going to have some challenging conversations on a regular basis how do people feel when their tires hit our parking lot to the time they leave our parking lot? How are they feeling? Um, do we make the other, do we make black people, do we make um, minorities feel comfortable when they come to our church service? Uh, open is, I'm polite. Now the subconscious of that might be, I'm polite, but I'm superficial, right? Because I can be polite to anybody and I don't have to mean it. How many times have we said, hey, how are you? And we've moved on. We don't really want to know how you are. We just ask because we're trying to be polite, right? Intention, the intentional is welcoming. So we're not just polite, but we're welcoming. We're saying, hey, how are you? I saw that you have, I see that you have children. Did you know that we have children's service happening right now and I, I have no problem walking you down to where we're doing that in the building you know welcoming is different than polite at least in my viewpoint uh open is we call people visitors intentional is you're a guest so a visitor to me when i think about my house like a visitor is somebody that knocks on the door i may or may not let them in they're a visitor you know i may let them inside I may not. A guest is, I'm expecting you to come. I'm anticipating that you're coming. I'm, um, I'm uh, uh, intentional about creating a way for you to come in and feel welcome. Now, I think I talked about at the beginning, right over there, which you cannot see, but right over there is downtown Frederick. Downtown Frederick had a Black Lives Matter march. And to my recollection, I think they had two or three. Um, I attended one of them and it was great, by the way, it was great, but not only did I attend one of them, but it was black people, white people, all kinds of people, young, old. Um, it was people that believed in God, people that seemed to be completely agnostic, far away from believing in any type of, 
deity. Um, there were people praying, there were people not praying. And I just thought, man, what a great opportunity for this church to be close to downtown Frederick, where you have people from all kinds of ways of life, all kinds of ethnicities, all kinds of ways of thinking that you can reach with the gospel if we're intentional about welcoming them to our church. You know, I thought about it later. Man, it sure would have been great to pass out bottled water with the name of our church and where we're located on it. You know, that's um, could have been an intentional way to reach people. Um, here's another thing that's going to be provocative. Hopefully, you'll receive it in the spirit that, that it was given. Do not have assimilation as your goal. For black people to feel comfortable at your church, that should not be synonymous with they should be assimilating or assimilation should not be the expectation that black people feel coming to your church if your church is all white. So um, this uh, gentleman, uh, his book, How to Be a Ra an Anti-Racist, has gotten a lot of attention over the last couple months. You probably have heard about it. This is his quote, Assimilation, assimilationist ideas are racist ideas. Ooh, that hurts. Sit in that for a moment before you want to rise up and fight against it. Sit in that. Assimilationists can position any racial group as the superior standard that another racial group should be measuring themselves against. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm coughing a little bit. Assimilationists can position any racial group as the superior standard that another racial group should be measuring themselves against. The benchmark they should be trying to reach. Assimilations typically position white people as the superior standard. Again, that may make you feel uncomfortable. If it does, that's the goal. But don't rage against that just yet. Just sit in that for a moment. Have you consciously or subconsciously created a worship, a worship experience or a church experience where the expectation is for people that do not currently go to your church to assimilate to what you do in your church? That's the question. That's a hard question. Um, I certainly cannot answer that for you. I can only ask the question. Um, I am Public Enemy fan, so anything with Chuck D, lead rapper for Public Enemy, PE, Full Effect, they had a song called Don't Believe the Hype. Um, it's not in the Bible in this way, but um, I would encourage you to be open. Be open. Here's a secret that I want to let white church folks in. I've been black my entire life. I've been going to church my entire life. This is really what black people want, okay? If you want to have a conversation about, and let me just tell you, as a black person, let me represent all 30 million in the next 30 to 45 seconds. I know them all personally, and I can speak to this from a level of great uh, confidence. This is all black people want. Black people want their experience 
to be heard. That's it. Just that our experience is heard. You may not agree with it. It doesn't have to be your experience. We're not looking for you to validate it because that's another thing that white people do that's not advisable. You know, well, I just don't see any racism. So I don't think that racism is as bad as people say it is because I haven't experienced. Why would you experience racism if you're white? That doesn't make any sense, people. All black people want is for you to be an ally and say, I hear your experience. I hear it. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if I agree with all of it the way you've explained it. I don't know how I can address it, but I at least hear you. That's what we want you to be open to. Okay? So justice, people, is not political. How many of you know that we serve a God of justice? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God fights our battles. He handles it all. But justice should not be political. I let me I just wanted this is the uncomfortable part. I've been black my whole life. I have never, ever, ever, ever heard anybody black say that they were, let alone a black Christian, say that they were anti-police, anti-government, anti-military, anti-law and order. What I have heard black people say is black people want to be able to have an interaction with the police and be alive at the end of that interaction. Now, to me, that's really simple. That is something we can all agree with. We should all be able to agree with, we ought to be able to have an interaction with law enforcement and still be alive when that interaction is over. That's not political. So I think that when the enemy allows things to become political that really has nothing to do with politics, I think the devil sits back and just laughs because we end up fighting about the stuff over here and it takes our eye off the ball of where we're supposed to be over here. I think that's just the enemy going, whoo, I got them talking about all this when they should be talking about this. So dodge another bullet. It's like this whole, we're in a pandemic. Masks. That's not political. That's not a political statement. You're not anti-government if you wear a mask or don't wear a mask. You're not pro-government if you wear a mask or if you don't wear a mask. If you wear a mask, to me, it says that you care about people. Shouldn't church folk, shouldn't Christians care about people? But we've made it political. And because we've made it political, now we're having all of this subterfuge and we're having conversations about all of this where we're not even talking about what we should be talking about. So if you're unable, this is where Eric is going to be the heavy. If you're unable to differentiate between the the two, I would challenge you and say you maybe are not as open as you could be, should be. And you may not be the best person in the charge of the inclusion ministry at your church. I'm just going to put it out there. Okay. Justice is not political. My wife is white. She has been to black churches. I'm black. I am currently serving at and I've been to white churches. And she has 
when we were at the black church, there wasn't a single issue that she ever raised to me about being made to feel sideways, about being one of the few white people that went to a black church. I will tell you, I've attended a white church where the pastor said from the platform that General Robert E. Lee was not only a great general, but a great Christian general. He just happened to own people that we call slaves. Not super great when you have black people that may be looking for a church home and you, and you uh, mention a slave owner as being a great Christian. That's the kind of stuff that we need to get out of our church discourse, our church conversation, because what it does is, is that it makes people feel uncomfortable. And the reality is it makes a certain demographic of people in this case, in this conversation, black people feel not welcome. I'm not bringing my uh, black and white children to a church where they think the Confederate flag is just about history. I'm not doing that. And I'm certainly not tithing at a church that does that. So just be aware of that. All right. So in the moments that we have left, um, I have some action steps. Here's some diversity action steps. And of course, this is COVID creative. Some of these steps you may not be able to do because it's COVID. We're in a pandemic. Doggone it. Uh, target a church like yours, but different. When I was a kid, I had just gotten out of college and I was minister of music at the Black United Methodist Church, small church, and right around the corner from us was a very large white United Methodist Church. We had the same hymnal. We had the same kind of idea. Ooh, I skipped. Let me see if I can get to, okay. Yeah, um, and so we did a lot of services together because it was the heart of the senior pastor of the white church to say, hey, we're not going to do church the same way. We're not going to sing music the same way. We're not going to do life with the same lens or with the same viewpoint. But hey, let's get together and do a seven last word service for Easter. Or why don't we do a revival together? Why don't we pick a date on the calendar where we can do some stuff together? And that was great. It was wonderful. Um, develop a natural connection to that similarity. I guess two is sort so of next week will be a little bit like one, but you can take it to another level. Uh, like Eric Bird, let's say that you have VIP consulting uh, you swap uh, at the CFX uh, conference talking you swap about diversity training have a worship for white night. churches. Next you know, week will be Friday night. We're going to have a worship night. We well, you're going to invite check out a black praise team to come serve to come serve with your praise team on the same worship night. You know, you both have soup kitchens. You both serve the homeless uh, in some way. Do the ministry together. Hey, what, what day of the week do you guys do your food pantry? You do it on Thursdays. Okay, so do us. Okay, what if we combined it together? We do it at our place one week. We do it at your place the next week. Whatever. You know, find natural connections. You might have ministries in your church that a black church or a diverse church down the road might be doing the same thing. Do a sermon series where you can swap pastors. You know, um, maybe you can do a January sermon series on the theology of MLK because Martin Luther King was, has a birthday in January. Wouldn't it be cool if you had a black pastor come to your church and talk about Martin Luther King Jr. on the third Sunday of the month and you went to his church? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Um, do ministry and life together. Um, uh, my kid... Uh, we had the Freddie Gray incident a couple of years ago in Baltimore where he was 
Uh, Freddie Gray was the gentleman that was murdered by the police. And so my kid decided to raise money all on his own and got backpacks with, filled with school supplies to the elementary school that was closest to where Freddie Gray was picked up. Do ministry and life together. Do a softball team together. Do, um, number five, do a training or a home study group. I love Right Now Media. Plug, plug, plug for Right Now Media. You know, they do a lot of racial reconciliation kind of stuff together. Do that. Uh, listen more than talk. We know that you have a heart for it because you wouldn't be on this if you didn't. But don't come in, don't come in hot with that savior complex. Be a teammate. Let the Holy Spirit be your quarterback, okay? Listen more than talk. Plan a listen and learn session. Um, talk to someone in your community. Go find somebody. You know, in our case, the Black Lives Matter movement happened you know, less than a mile from where I'm sitting and talking to you today. Go find the organizers from that church, from that march and say, hey, what would you like a church? How would you like a church to respond that keeps this conversation going? Um, which leads me to number eight, it must be ongoing and not situational. Um, have a movie night. You know, again, COVID creative, but have a movie night on something that's applicable. Um, there might be a documentary that you can watch that might be cool, um, and you can combine congregations. Everybody loves to eat. I know I do. That's what I'm going to do when I stop talking. Um, do something with food. And then we talked about some um, uh, programming, revivals, seven last words service, uh, Christmas services, Juneteenth, which happens in uh, June 19th, MLK events to share congregations. Become involved and share community or on a new project. You're going to clean up the park. Partner with the community to clean up a, a garden or to clean up, you know, an elementary school, the outside at a, at a uh, playground or something. Don't tell your community what they need. Ask your community what they need. Okay. So and then the last thing is, again, this is not about building a diverse church. This is about having a church open to diversity. Okay, so a diverse church, it must be the mission of the church to be diverse. A diverse, uh, uh, to be open to having diversity just means that you're open to having other, having the other come to your church. You're open to training. You're open to external training and partnerships and volunteers. You're open to activities and educational partnerships. You're learning about it. It's episodic, meaning that it does, it's not something that you do every week because it's your mission, but it's something that you do maybe two, three, four times a year. Um, the congregation is not super necessary to have training. Um, if you want to have a diverse church, you have to have a staff that looks like what you want to attract. You have to have congregational buy-in. You have to be growing in it and that kind of stuff, all right? So that's the idea to um, diversity in the church. I don't know if you have any questions now. You can certainly chat them to me or you can send it to me at eric at ericbird.com. I'll just put my email address in there. But I want to thank Miss Stephanie again for making this available. I was worried about not having uh, enough uh, time, but I'm glad to see that we have gotten there. If you don't have any questions now, um, I can certainly answer them at a later date. But thank you for your attention and thank you for being open to the material. Thank you, Miss Stephanie. Thanks, Dad. And thank you for listening to Attention to Detail. 
We'll be uploading new podcasts every week, usually on Mondays, and you should be able to find us wherever you get your podcasts. Write a review and like us. You can also follow our sponsor, VIP Consulting, at ericbird.com. Go to ericbird.com and sign up for a free gift. Just our way of thanking you for supporting VIP Consulting and this podcast. Show notes can be found at ericbird.com slash blog, where you can also follow the show on the VIP Consulting Twitter and Facebook pages. Attention. Attention.